Hello, hello. It's Thursday again, and uh, this means it's time to record another episode of Plastic Lineage. Future.com. Boom! Yeah, cool. we're getting better, man. We're getting. We're gonna. We're gonna add guitar. We, I think we're gonna get some backup singers moving forward, but we're gonna develop this further. I think we're, we're yeah. getting a little bit better every week. So, hello, Matt. <laughs> yeah, hello, and welcome everyone to Plastic Climate Future, uh, the space where we can all engage into different perspectives around plastics, our climate, and how to make it uh, more sustainable future for for both of these topics and perspectives. And I think today we have a very special episode, uh, not only because we have a very special guest, but because this time it's not Thursday night that we're recording, it's Thursday morning, at least for us. (laughs) I guess our listeners want to know why, John? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, it is indeed the first time we've done this in the morning. So it, it has a different different flavor. We're drinking coffee rather than, uh, you know, maybe a, an IPA or a glass of wine. So it's a little different. Uh, but but because of why we're doing this, because it's indeed it's morning here in Europe. Uh, but our guest comes from uh, almost literally the other side of the world uh, where it's evening. So 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 that's why we we have uh we're, we're we're tuning in to to someone from all the way over across in australia is that right matt yeah then uh let me introduce nick from sydney australia hey nick how are you doing hey how are we doing guys yeah. really really uh really glad to be on the on the podcast today hello nick so what time is it over there in sydney at the moment uh 7 15 p.m and i've got a glass of uh <laughs> Of cranberry and iced water in front of me because I've had too much coffee today. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're we're starting getting there. We're, we're starting started getting with our coffees. <laughs> well, um, we invited Nick because Nick is active in uh, an area which is super relevant when we talk about sustainable future with materials, with how we deal with resources, and um, especially also resource-intensive technologies like plastics. And Nick is a circulist. Maybe you can uh, start telling us a bit more about especially where you come from and how you became a circulist. And of course, in the end, what is a circulist? Yeah, look, uh, thanks. For, thanks for having me again. Look, where do we start? I've, um, you know, as a, as a teenager, which was many, you know, a few decades ago, um, to put some age on me, uh, I hit 50 this year, and uh, and I've had spent the last 30 years in the technology sector, seeing seeing it sort of being quite um, transformative in its nature, in a in a positive, predominantly positive change for good versus negative. Let's let's put social media aside. Um, uh, and but but as a teenager, you know, Matt, yourself, you know, myself, having boys in you know the late teens and so forth, um, I, I actually wanted to be an industrial designer or an architect, and. Uh, I had this very strong visual bent about me. I love design. I love sort of product design specifically and the built world, so to speak. But, um, you know, I, I fell into computing by accident um, many, many, you know, a couple, you know, three decades ago and uh, and have been on that trajectory for 30 years. And I've had a, I've had a cross-section of, um, you know, just a couple of minutes on my background in that sense. I've, I've worked for large multinational slow-moving software technology companies around the world like Microsoft and Fujitsu and, and OpenText and the like and, Help Gartner Group get set up in Asia Pacific. Um, I've heard, I've heard and then of I, yeah. 
You've heard of them? Yeah, heard yeah, of them. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for me, they were quite slow moving as an organization, even back in the day. And, um, and so I had always had this entrepreneurial spirit in me. And, uh, and, um, you know, with that, uh, came the late nineties and the dot com phenomenon. And I was, I would buy these magazines called back in the day called business 2.0, right? I don't know if you guys remember them at all, or it was in sort of your domain of, you know, focus, but, these these um, these magazines were just amazing. I just think, oh my god, I I got to get into this. This is new paradigm shifting. And you know, I was a young pup in the day, and you know, eventually you got it, John. Uh, no, 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 I, no. I'll, I'll sh- something else. I'll show you later. Sorry right, 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 right. And um, and so so I, I I took the massive step and joined a, a technology company, a startup here in Australia, where we um where we were trying to um, pioneer building a one-stop shop for small business services online. We went from a team of about six to 180, raised close to $60 million. You know, we all had the amazing air on Herman Miller chairs and uh, we're doing everything.com in that sense. Um, eventually the thing crashed after, you know, three years and, you know, we moved on in a merry ways, but um, I, I actually had the bug of, of being entrepreneurial and it sort of gave me a strong, I think my visual bent from, wanting to be a designer and an architect was deployed in entrepreneurialism, if that makes sense, looking at unknown unknowns and trying to bring them forward, right. And make them, make them tangible. It's how I, it's how I look at my career and by connecting the dots in the past and trying to make some sense of it. Right. So I haven't had a, I haven't had a very straight linear corporate career, which I'm really proud of now when I look back. And uh, so going forward, I've, I've ran, I've built another two other sort of startups and technology companies close to, you know, raising close to directly with the teams, um, about probably about $90 million, burnt about 90% of that um, uh, proudly in inverted commas by a lot of lessons learnt and so forth. And, um, and then I ran a couple of, you know, I ran a public listed software company here in Australia where we bought old software companies and made them SaaS companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, did really well. And I had a, I had a, an interesting point in life, and uh, it's a quite a, a quite a personal point in life. And most of these things happen, you know, when these things happen, right? These sort of junctures in life. Yeah. And um, I had my dad. I saw my dad six years, close to six, was five and a half years ago, um, take his last breath, you know, in life. Mm. And uh, you know, long time coming, was there for the last few days, and and just experienced that, and then. You know, saw him take his last few, you know, few breaths, and then a um, couple of days later, went out to try and grab a coffee and just go for a walk. And the world kept on going around, right? The world mm-hmm. kept on going around. People were yeah. walking, got dogs, and grabbing coffees. And I'm like, oh my god, this is real. We are. It is. Life is short. You know, mm. we're all just some dust. You know, and uh, and so I got to I got to change. I got to, this when I was running a public listed software company, and I, and I and a week later I actually resigned and went on gardening leave, and that was about six years ago. So um, ever since then, I I, I I you know made a commitment to myself that uh, I wanted to try and be more impactful in what I do and value my time a lot more. And uh, you know, ten years ago, my boys were or would have been you know eight and six back then, right? So very very different. Uh, no, 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 not ten, 10 years ago, six years ago, you know, let's do the maths, whatever that is, 12 and 10. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so I, I, I fell into and stumbled into circular economy. Right. And, um, and uh, I, I fell into that sort of train of thought, you know, everyone's watched the whole Ella MacArthur foundation stuff and the mm. power of YouTube and reports. 
mm-hmm. and just felt like and just felt like there was just there's just too many people now just talking about circular economy and yeah. um, you know too many people talking the talk and I'm a doer I want to get people getting on with things and every time I'd see things I'd be you know be referencing it'd be references of only like 10 or 20 25 case studies and I'm like seriously this is meant to be changing our society and economy and we we've only got 10 to 20 case studies that we're referencing every time in all these reports mm-hmm. right and so I really got onto this mission and I started to get harder and harder around sort of really focusing on where can I be as impactful with a completely new point of view and um, and, and approach to what needs to be done. And uh, and so I, 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 you know, came up with the other part of the challenge was, um, you know, the language that we use is seriously important to me because I think language creates a reference point around having us look back in the rearview mirror and terms like, manufacturing terms like production terms like industrialism you know we still use industrialism as a term for manufacturing like when you see policymakers talk about stuff industrialized economies and i'm like mm-hmm. that's just looking in the rearview mirror it's all it's all negative toxic stuff when i think about it right very wasteful so i wanted to basically come up with a brand new word that represented what it meant to be a doer to actually have a sense of status and pride in who you were right Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, <laughs> I share this a few times, but I had this moment in the shower <laughs> on a Sunday morning, and we'll leave it at leave, leave it at the fact that I had this sort of epiphany of a word that came to, which was the circulist. And I'm like, that is it. It's wow. the circulist. So, right? so, so you coined <laughs> you coined you coined the the term basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, the wow. term is, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this the term circulist came to me, which is completely. I felt there was a word to basically create a brand new language set that we would require mm-hmm. to enter the 21st century and beyond, right? And for me, the circulist is basically the opposite to being an industrialist. Really simple. Yeah. Right. That's so powerful. And that's great. Yeah. And uh yeah, so that's that was the that was the start of the circulus, and that was about um 15 to 18 months ago. So yeah. That's really, really really yeah, see, uh, that, that's that's where we have the connection to mm-hmm. to to our topics uh, circular economy i think uh, this is a hell of a strategy which which encompasses a lot of uh, areas of industry areas of also how we make and produce uh, uh, products and goods how we how we produce our food and i think that's that's uh, also, probably the reason why you also started your own podcast uh, around circular economy, which uh, which I've already had the chance to to listen into, and um, probably not all the listeners did. So, uh, did you also talk in there, or maybe first of all, what what are you t- focusing on in in your podcast, and did you also have the chance? to touch upon resources and, and, and plastics in the, in the podcast as well. Yes. Yes. No, we've covered, we've covered already. I think we've had two or three topics on that uh, area oh, around. Yeah. Um, great. So, oh. so let me, let me, um, we've only, we've only just kicked it off a few months ago. We've had some great, you know, interest already and uh, you know, a lot of inflow of interest to sort of have more conversations about it. But, um, you know, for me, when it, when it comes to circulars, it's actually a reframing a new point of view um, mm-hmm. where, where the intercept, it's not, it's not the inter. It's, it's at the intersection of the built world. It's the intersection of material science. It's the, the intersection of product design and intelligent operating systems. Right. So when we think about circulars, it's it's actually the integration of all of those 
capabilities and and uh, and know-how. Um, and that sort of goes back to you know the thinking around convergent innovation being you know the the hard stuff to do, but it's where the real value will come from. So so with that in mind, um, uh, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a chemist. I'm not a I'm not a, I mean, I've, I've basically done a, I did a Bachelor of Science with a major in information systems, you know, 30 years ago, and I have that sort of scientific hypothesis thinking bent around me, right? So, but mm. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a, I'm not a physicist in any way, shape or form. I, I'm not a material scientist, but I value everything that's get done in that, in that area. And, um, and so what, what I, and the other flip side is that too many people are talking about circular economy and the average person, I'd go to barbecues and, and just lunches and dinners, they'd be like, what are you talking about? I don't even know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. So um, we're very, even though you, you know, we're all, you know, you, you know, you, 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 us here are living in a bit of a bubble at the moment. I think just generally in the grand scheme of things, compared to how many, how many, you know, the average Joe or the average, you know, Sophie doesn't actually know what we're talking about. So mm -hmm. the purpose of the, the the circular's quest, which is what the podcast is called, is to. Um, have open conversations about the journey that I'm going through, which others would be, and learn along that journey around what, what are these topics and what are the challenges and also amplify as well some of the great things that are happening um, mm. around sort of this yeah. space. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a great journey already and, uh, and we're, you know, we're adding more and more podcasts along the way. But, you know, look to many others that have got hundreds, if not thousands of podcasts and I'm inspired by sort of continuing that journey. But it really, recognising that we're, 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 there are, we're decades away from really achieving at a macro level what we need to do. Uh, we're, we're still very, very early on the curve, right? So Step by step, yeah? yeah? Yeah, sorry? Step by step, yeah? Step by step, step by step. So uh, and the yeah, challenge think, with me, I'm very, I'm very visionary, so uh, I, need, I need to bring Tilms to start executing on that operational stuff now. So, yeah. yeah, well, that's why we're so happy to have you here, because I think we, we already touched upon uh, this uh, when we were not recording, just in our uh, discussion a couple of minutes ago. Um, but I think what's, what you mentioned is, is the integration of, of know-how across various disciplines. And I think this is uh, necessary to move us from being decades away from real circular economy into really implementing circular economy and i think this yep. is something that uh drives that's that's what we were talking about before it drives the the, the true innovation is really the, yep. the the multidisciplinary approach that's right and Very sharing well, yeah, this, this knowledge yeah, yeah so we we've had we've had you know two or three already um conversations with um sort of, uh, you know, you know, innovators and, you know, practitioners doing the doing, not talking the talking. We need to get more doers being, yeah. you know, listened and spoken about and see what's going on. So there's a couple of interesting companies that uh, uh, is interesting that sort of that we have here in Australia. One is um, Great Wrap, which is a, uh, a company that is innovated around, you know, you know, the clean wrap that we use on our, on our, on our food and our yeah. whatever it might be, or, you know, the, the clean wrap that gets used around, you know, wine boxes when they get wrapped up to put, you know, be stored around from a from a B2B point of view. Um, it's such a simple exercise. And we just we we make it so easy for humanity that we we disregard the impact that we're doing in the world because it's all those systems, all the back-end systems are just invisible to humans, right? So, but the impact of plastic from that point of view is just immense. So the great rap founders, husband and wife team here in, in Melbourne actually, one an architect and uh you know, Jody, the, the husband, sort of, um, you know, is a winemaker by you know, profession, and um, 
and uh, saw all this cling wrap around the, the boxes and thought, what the hell's going on here? We just can't continue, right? This is just a joke. So they went about going dealing with the hard stuff and they, they found some scientists up in, I believe in Queensland or somewhere here in Australia and um, who, who, invented, um, uh, who invented a compostable, um, compostable um, a cling wrap version made out of potato peels. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and have gone about to build an amazing venture and it's an on-mission, four-mission venture now and going global. So, you know, there, we had a great conversation with them and, and there's another one called Dresden Eyewear here in Australia that, um, you know, tried to bring local manufacturing capabilities and a recyclability and, and circular economy execution around very affordable eyewear um, from um, bottle tops of, 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 of cans and, and so forth and uh, that were made available in a local precinct here in Sydney and ultimately produced eyewear at, at $49 each at profit, mm. right, which mm. the company still exists. So they've just raised mm. a more amount of money. So it's happening ever so slowly, but um, it's also the other reality is it's not just technology going out in market. It's actually being deployed, you know, and, and consumer and business demand is there. So, you know, it's not... The reality, you know, so I think there's enough demand in market and, and we seem to be uh, challenged with the fact that demand's not there. In my view, yeah, there's a lot of demand. There's a whole discussion around talking about the demand side of the equation, right? So I'm happy to talk about that as well. So, yeah, um, go ahead. Yeah, coming back to the to the Great Rep, I think what speaks to me in this is uh, that it was initiated by an architect and a winemaker. And I've yeah, seen that yeah. so many times that actually these... These these great ideas come from from what we just said interdisciplinary collaboration fostering. You know, you see there there is some great ideas that people have which are not from the field, and then they just start finding the right resources and the right expertise, and drive this whole thing with passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's I think what what what's uh, what's what's uh, the, the the essence also of of taking an example from circular economy and trying to yep. find solutions that are not focused on a single uh, industry area, but really look at the entire value chain, the entire integration of an industry within yep. within uh, the uh, the whole system in the end. But I, I think, really think um, I really think the simple boring stuff are there to be taken on and reimagined, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, so, so, something I find uh, just an observation. I mean, this has uh, been coming more and more into focus over the past uh, year or so with 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 the conversations that Matt and I have been having together and with others, and and, and that is uh, the the solutions, let's call them the solutions towards uh, becoming a circulist and, and implementing circular economy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, these uh, on the one, it's going to be a combination of, of you know, big, uh, big, big wins. Uh, so big, big leaps forward. Yes. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be the everyday incremental innovation that's going to take place. The everyday I mean, what you described about this uh, great wrap, uh, this shrink wrap uh, solution, uh, I mean, the, is, 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 a, is a great example, you know, and then if you take that and you scale it to what it can be, and then you still look at how big the, the plastics footprint is, and, and you'll see that, okay, that's a great solution. We need a thousand more. 
you know, uh, but that shouldn't discourage us. Uh, it's one solution at a time. It's, it's one little bit, one little bit, and then every once in a while, a great leap forward, and then a little bit, little bit, and that that's what we got to be doing. So I, I just just my observations on that, and and on, on this, uh, uh, the there, there's practical solutions. Uh, indeed, dealing with the practical problems. You you mentioned this this uh, Dresden eyewear. You know, uh, I can I, we have a guest coming on in a couple of weeks that that's all about collecting ocean bound plastics. And and bringing these into uh, applications like uh, eyewear, for example. But, yep. Yeah. You know, so anyway, I, I'll I'll uh, be quiet now. I just wanted to. Yeah. No. That that was, the Dresden was very community driven as well in the local scene. And um, once once the community saw that they were dedicated to solving this problem, they had they had um, they had uh, microbrewery producers like a kilometer, you know, five hundred meters away in a kilometer, and saying, "We've got all these tops that are coming off our kegs. Do you guys want them? Like, do they mean anything to you?" And they took them and they and they repurposed them into what they could be. They've even even innovated to the point where the excess run, which uh, they could drop in whatever sort of plastic color they want, mm-hmm. um, created unique type of versions of it as the run finished. And there was different type of patterns and so forth. And they they turned that into special unique type of versions of the glass of the eyewear. Right. So mm-hmm. um, the point being. You know, we're very driven. I mean, one of the important mantras that we're driven by at Circulus is actually a big shift away from um, global mega factories and uh, and distributed and sort of global supply chains, and uh, which are all centralized as systems driven by price, and a big shift to distributed distributed network of micro assembly service centers. Right, so. You know, serving and operating and living in local communities, creating new smart collar jobs, as we call them, in local cities. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're very we're very big on. I think um, in the 21st century and beyond, I, I, we strongly believe that cities and towns are going to become the engines again, or the you know, in terms of closed loop execution. So, mm-hmm. yeah, one uh, thing you mentioned here, like, is is, is the price, right? And uh, I think uh, this is something that still is not in everyone's mind and can be also a blocker when you try to close these resource loops Mm -hmm. um because we seems to me also that we we simply calculate with the wrong prices the wrong prices for resources and raw materials because we just look at the price that we 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 purchase the material for or the part for and so on but i think we have to price. reconsider what this is, and and what, and what are price? yeah what is price and and what are actually the necessary steps to 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 attach this true price price tag to value of materials resources that that are being used in product manufacturing yep what shall right. we teach our kids in school now <laughs> well what should we teach our kids a great question right <laughs> and um look what, what what we should teach them is um is the value of materials at their core, right? Yeah. Yeah. What we should teach them is that we need to stop extracting raw materials from the earth and start to partner with the earth and not feel like we own it, right? These are all fundamental truths that we don't seem to accept because we've, driven, we've been driven in a, a, a world that's been driven by price, right? Mm. Yeah. Price of single execution, right? Um, and And... Uh, these are the realities we need, and you know we, you know you, you, we. These are the these are the realities of. I mean, not 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 you know valuing every single material. It's interesting. Uh, it goes on down to a particular topic of ours, which is um, 
which I think you guys would appreciate, which, um, you know, the area of focus that we're focusing on sort of for now at Circulist is high value, complex, mm. well-designed in inverted commas, um, you know, for people that can't see this, but in inverted commas, you know, <laughs> on the either end of that, um, well-designed and, you know, everybody winning these amazing awards at, at Red Dot and all these great places. And, uh, but the reality is they're so well-designed, right? With, but the, you know, the realities are so well designed that they're so difficult to disassemble yeah, yeah. at the local, at the local level in any country around the world mm. that they just get pushed out to landfill and responsibly pushed out on civic services and governments to deal with the externalities that we don't track. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. So these are the realities that we need to deal with. And, um, mm. you know, so there's a big aspect around valuing, you know, so there's, this is the reason why repair shops and, you know, the right to repair is sort of an extended product stewardship and all these sort of even laws that are coming through in Europe um, right now is, you know, pushing back onto re producers of, of products and devices and appliances to become more responsible, um, as, you know, in law. I mean, fair enough, it's required. But for me and for what we believe at Circulus, it's very much version two, version one thinking of circular economy, mm -hmm. So, which we, which I think we're going to talk about soon. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see you, 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 you touch upon some uh, aspects that you actually uh, elaborate on in your beautiful and co very comprehensive white paper that you published and uh, that can Thank be you. downloaded from your site. Mm -hmm. And uh, one uh, very appealing aspect is actually this idea which is which is not a difficult idea of decentralized manufacturing decentralized end of life disassembly decentralized end of life utilization of materials and 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 products in the end um yeah how 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 do you think we can we can move on in small steps to to simply change people's mind because we already have a global supply chain why don't we have a global manufacturing chain why don't we have a global disassembly chain or or re refurbishment yeah. uh, or recycling chain how do you how why? do you think yeah <laughs> that we can spend the whole your whole day on this my evening so but uh let, let's uh, let's cover it in a few you minutes, right? minutes. The end of day. <laughs> look you know what at the end of the day post world war ii as we know you know the world went into um this big push around industrialism and sort of you know heavy machinery and just building just building stuff building stuff building stuff and then the other fundamental metrics were very much driven by you know how governments around the world will track these things was around you know gross domestic product and productivity yeah. growth and uh, those sort of became platforms for organizations to operate around and governments to um incentivize and and uh, and penalize accordingly right so you know, when you look at it at a macro level, there are some fundamental systemic issues that we have that have come through at a global level, at a nation's level, at a regional level. And um, and so with that in mind, uh, or in addition to that, we have um, the double ledger financial system that we operate under, mm -hmm. right? With our CFOs, our wonderful CFOs sort of unfortunately only track and measure what gets sold. And once it's sold, it's no longer an asset in our books. So it's gone off to somebody else in the world. And uh, the subsidiaries around those worlds will deal with them as support and repair issues and so forth. And 
And as they become harder and harder, it becomes more and more difficult. And ultimately, the challenges with that means that governments around the world, national, state and local level or provincial level, um, have had to become responsible for the externalities that we don't track in our systems, right? Yeah. Um, you know, globalism, you know, um, you know, I don't want to get political here, but there's so many things <laughs> to cover. Um, but the point being, our current, you know, approach to, let's get specific around the term around circular economy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and circular economy for me, obs- you know, observing for afar for many years, trying to understand what's been going on, just doing a lot of listening, a lot of watching, you know, a lot of conversations. Um, the reality and the theory around circular economy is one beautiful closed loop system, um, you know, valuing materials and, you know, you know, recycling and putting them back into systems and, you know, being one with nature in theory and framework is unbelievable, right? As mm-hmm. we know, but the reality is that when we, when we look at the narrative and, and the zeitgeist around what's happening around the world is that most governments and, and organizations are actually dealing with calling circular economy solving for waste recycling right to repair extended product usage and so forth right and reseller those and are just calling that circular economy when the reality is that they're the symptoms of the linear broken world that we live in right they're the symptoms and but we call that circular economy and you know you know governments and and you know companies are really happy that we're that we're doing circular economy and the reality is, as you will find in the executive summary of our, of our white paper, which is called the circularist imperative, mm-hmm. is, is what I call the green lipstick on the pig. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's the green lipstick on the pig. It's another version of greenwashing, but I just call it the green lipstick on the pig, right? And what's yeah. the pig? The pig is our linear I, economy that we I, operate under. I had, a, I had a dream about one of those last night. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Here we go. <laughs> and it's only Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday morning. Thursday morning. Yeah, yeah. Thursday morning. That's right. So that was Wednesday night for him. <laughs> so um, yeah. So so the point being, we're still not. We're, what we're doing, even by solving version one problems in in my yeah. you know in the narrative, and I heard it today at the sustainability summit that I was at here in Sydney. Um, uh, well, all we're doing is just kicking the can down the road. We're just pushing yeah, yeah. it out by a few more decades. And climate crisis is upon us. It's here, yeah. right? We need to deal with it. We can't, just can't, you know. We have this. We have this. We have this issue that is needs to be dealt with, and we can't mm. continue like this. Or humanity, as our species, will not exist anymore. The Earth will be here. We just won't, right? Yeah, you got yeah, Elon yeah. Musk trying to go to Mars. You know, there's reasons why. There's, there's, you know, you got Bezos wanting to go up into, you know, yeah, you know, put the industry in space is what Bezos in space. And uh, mm. you know, what's that movie? Is it I, you, Wally? Uh, no, not Wally. You know, Wycelium or Eucelium, that movie that everybody's living around Earth, but, and, and, uh, yeah, it is, anyway, there's but I, all these I, I like Wally, actually. I like Wally. You know, Wally? This yeah, is, yeah, I know, this Wally. is an amazing, like, it, it, and it's so yeah. old already. And it just displayed the picture that we're moving into now and that people start to be aware of already, I yeah. think a decade ago or something like yeah. that. I agree. But circular economy version two it focuses on, which we believe and we're on to, is, mm-hmm. is eliminating all those external, all those symptoms out of the model. We, let's eliminate waste. Let's eliminate recycling. Let's eliminate right to repair under a new operating model, right? And you know what? That's going to be hard, but we need to bloody do it. 
Mm-hmm. So where, you know, my, my 30 years of learning in the tech sector and seeing that evolutional shift from, you know, I remember the day when Windows 95 came out, guys, and I'm sure you do too, right? Yes. And we went down to the local retail <laughs> store and we bought it in a box and we installed it on our computers, right? Yeah. On our 486s or whatever the hell it was. I can't remember what it was, right? And uh, I wouldn't have been 486. It would have been a lot older, newer than that. Um, but we installed it and we and then we thought, what do we do with these CDs now in the box, right? Mm-hmm. So that simple, you know, change has happened in the tech sector from installing something on a on a on a device and then eventually shifting towards software as a service, hardware as a service, shifting from price and value of that particular material to usage and value over time, right? Has transformed the sector to be the leading sector in the world, right? When it comes to transformation. So, you know, that, that's that's the opportunity here is to try and start bringing some of those learnings and capabilities and know-how together with multidisciplinary capabilities around the real world that we live in mm-hmm. and um, apply that capability with what we call circular economy version two. And, and the people that do that are going to be called circulists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there is there is a lot of um, also responsibility shifting involved in mm-hmm. this one because what you, what you just mentioned was uh, this was driven like this moving towards product as a service or software as a service mm-hmm. solutions. This was mainly driven by by innovative corporates, by innovative startups and so on. <clears throat> but I think we also have to now, because if we're going to rely on these incremental steps, it's going to be too slow. So I think we, we, we also need to shift somehow the responsibility or or make make it aware at the product design stage, but also at the um, regulatory stage, and yep. and I so, think this is this is this is crucial that we just bring these parties together. Yeah, there's a lot of bits of it. There's a lot of chicken and egg going on right now between you know regulatory stuff required by government, and you know I'm a strong believer that business is the catalyst for positive positive change. Right? Yeah. Business yeah. is the catalyst yeah, for yeah. positive change. Right? Sorry. Yeah, the initiator, yeah, in a way. Yeah, it, it's business is a positive catalyst of change, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 leads and just basically pushes aside and gets gets going and you know challenges regulation here and there, but eventually becomes a natural behavior. I mean, look at Uber as an example, right? I mean, mm-hmm. remember the days of being that them, you know, Uber challenging a new behavior in market, and look where it is now, right? It's just the the normal, right? I mean, I look at my boys and they just grab Ubers wherever that where they go and you know don't even consider taxis anymore here in Sydney right so mm-hmm. um and it you know that that sort of that push into trying to drive things and and bring through a new normal in in market is something that is important needs to be done but at the same time the system is so big that we cannot just say oh let's just not do version 1 stuff let's not deal with waste and recycling and right let's just try and build this new approach no that's not the case. We need organizations to continue going after that because it's going to take decades. For me, yeah. for me, mm-hmm. I really believe, guys, that um, success will come beyond my lifetime. I've accepted it, right? Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, right? I don't know. Yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, I really believe it, you know? And I think yeah, it's unfortunate, I, but it's true. Yeah, I agree. It's going to, I mean, uh, this is, uh, I agree with you that the time horizon is, 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 is as you kind of characterize it, it it's, it's decades, not, not years even, it's decades. You know, and uh, and this is kind of uh, what kind of what I was touching on a little bit earlier. It is, it is a combination of well, well, 
you, you call it a, a circular economy 2.0 uh, versus 1.0. Uh, yep. If I understand a little bit, circular economy 1.0 is a little bit about dealing with the practical realities of today. The fact that we do have, for example, plastic waste. Uh, we want Correct. we want to develop systems and, and uh, practices and businesses over time that 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 minimize slash even eliminate that. But but the fact is, for decades we're going to deal with this problem. So how do we transition? How do we solve that problem uh, over the course of decades, perhaps uh, towards towards uh, you know, um, a, a true circular type of uh, yeah mindset? The key the key differentiator here, guys. I um, you know Matt and John is very much. Um, the fact that is one is an important aspect to this that we need to bring the, the 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 shift from mindset and execution from you know centralized operating models right mm -hmm. centralized global operating models even regional to yeah. pushing out where the value is which is you know where humanity lives you mm -hmm. know and and I mean, where humanity humanity lives everywhere you know irrespective mm -hmm. of sort of developed and non-developed countries and so forth or northern hemisphere and something like but pushing value back to where communities and people live, work and play, right? And yeah. and that is the fundamental shift that we're going after with Circulist um, at high level. It's it's actually how do we build, how do we shrink the manufacturing production capability? How do we integrate service center capability? How do we create these smart new collar jobs as we're calling them to mm. you know increase the increase the livability of most mm. of these people in blue collar land right now in, mm. in manufacturing, so to speak. I and My guess is you touch on 3D printing a lot in your thinking, right? The technologies yeah. of 3D printing, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's still early with 3D printing, right? I mean, you, you know, you can't sit there forever waiting for this thing to score around and pop up and, and bring something, right? So there are many new there are many new companies that have that have formed there in market. There's Carbon 3D and there's Desktop Metal down in the US. There's many other organizations that are that are trying to tackle tackle this sort of time and value issue around you know how do you build a practical automated operating model around you know in you know just in time and, and sort of more on demand than just in time just in time even as language is all about process efficiency thanks to the mm -hmm. japanese right so mm -hmm. um and and henry ford initially right as we know so um but but it's very much around how do we push stuff onto the edge and be able to you know deliver and enable um, on-demand capabilities. I'm I'm in love. <laughs> I'm in love with a company that started in Europe um, called Arrival, guys. Arrival. I know I'm Arrival. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm like I, I'm I've got like a bromance with the guys. I don't know what it is, but um, they're just for me. They're circulist on the pathway to being circulist. Why? Because they're trying to reimagine um, the operating model at, from a cost-based point of view, and you know the, the materials that are that they're using and. And their operating model is shifting out towards micro uh, factories around the world. Economically, being able to roll out you know, thousands of these, you know, electric buses and, and courier vans in market, and shifting away from mega factories and global supply chains. Right? It, it economically makes sense. It's creating local jobs in local cities, and I want to see thousands of uh, arrivals around the world. Right? And there are many other companies that we're now sort of seeing that are popping up. So yeah. yeah. Do you know Chop Value from Canada? No. It's a friend of mine who who started actually. It, it was in the beginning you would think it was all about using, because they are collecting used bamboo chopsticks and then they press them into beautiful furniture and use it for for to right. make uh, new materials. And in the in the beginning it was you, you would think it was really about making these materials, but his vision 
was to start because he saw the potential that he can license out or or uh yeah well license out the 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 process to every restaurant owner who can have a press there and he yeah. will start pressing those materials and it was just such an and, and they started years ago already and and now they're distributing a network also of decentralized factories and saving yep. emissions because wow. transporting those chopsticks yep. is of course right. yeah yeah much more resource intense if you already have the ready-made product which is coming yep. directly from the restaurant because the restaurant doesn't need too much except uh, a bit of a recipe how to do the resin and and, and press it yep. and and this starts to kick off like he was featured in Forbes and so on um, because this shows also the shift of mindset in how we think about value. It's not yep. just price. And I think yep, this is, this is that's, that because you mentioned we're, we're kind of stuck in this linear thinking because the business is still, the most part of the business is still structured in a linear yep. way. Let me, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had this conversation today with a tax partner without naming them and, uh, one of the top four firms and uh you know we're talking about you know circular economy sustainability and i and i said i said to them um you know what the biggest tax problem one of the biggest tax problems that exists right now is um is the policy around depreciation of goods right yeah 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 yeah. you know if you think about if you go deep on the policy around depreciation of goods right Mm -hmm. what is Mm -hmm. it driven by it's driven by writing something off really quickly Mm-hmm. Not having having no value on your books anymore, right? Yeah. On your books, even yeah. though you still have it, right? Yeah. And driven by just go and buy more stuff, right? Yeah. It's 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 kind of a financial forcing of obsolescence or something. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. That's yeah. correct. Like it, it it's actually and, and she you know she uh, she was um you know really smart tax law, tax partner said oh my god you really are onto something here you know, at the moment around that thinking so. Mm. Um, yeah, we want to do a whole piece around sort of depreciation and other tax policies. I mean, Europe is way ahead in a lot of this thinking, right? So really thinking about how does, you know, think, thinking about stick and carrot approach right now for importing and exporting of products, uh, you know, that are, have, have a positive or negative sort of carbon sort of impact onto the world, which uh, or even between, between trading partners. And I think I commend Europe for sort of doing that um, in that sense, but um you got to start, right? You got to get on with it. But yeah, I, I had this epiphany around sort of um, depreciation. It's so obvious, right? Here in Australia, we we you know we during COVID, government was just saying to go, businesses, go buy new cars, get on to you know go buy new cars, and you can write them off within this financial year. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, right? And we're and we are a net importer of you know for every dollar we of export, we're six dollars importer right so we're a bad net importer as a nation um it's happened in the last 30 years and um you know you think about that at a macro level it's actually quite challenging and disappointing but i don't look at i don't try and think about that negative stuff i'd always trying to focus on version two (laughs) good yeah i i love this version two approach um do you think uh two nerds as uh john and matt (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can help out <laughs> with carrying a, a specific message or or answering some questions that uh, chemists should answer uh, in order to to move circular economy forward. I know you're laughing because I already I already prepared you for this type of question, but uh, 
Is there something that you wanna you wanna ask such two nerds like us or or chemists in general? I don't I don't yeah, want to look, call I, all chemists. Yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. I I I actually, you know, if we look at it from a multidisciplinary point of view, guys, um, you know, I've asked the same type of question or had sort of the same type of question asked of me from an industrial design point of view, from a um, from an engineering perspective, and I think. You know, coming at it as a as a as an entrepreneur, looking at how do we reimagine the operating model? Um, what we what we do recognize is um, that we seem to gravitate, or our mindset and our and our focal points and our point of view um, is what it is on a daily basis. In what you guys do as chemists, right? And the systems that we use to do what we do every day create blind spots, right? Mm-hmm. Create blind spots. Uh, yeah, so yeah. the question I have for you guys is <laughs> what do you think, which you may not think about, what are the blind spots as chemists? And that's something that I've put to you guys most likely exist that are impacting and getting in the way and becoming friction for you guys to become more, more circular oriented. Mm, that's a great <laughs> question. That's a great, great question. I'm going to just have to think about that for a minute. Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I, I I just have the first thought that comes to my mind. Um, I think one of the blind spot is really what we already started talking about before is where is the true cost of materials and also the production of also chemicals. It's not yeah, it's not just right. about plastics. And I think mm-hmm. this is something that that's why my question was also um, leading to what would you teach the kids? I think this is something that in our, or at least my education, this, this was not considered to, to, yep. to be questioned. And I think this is something that can, yeah. Um, yeah. Can, can, can help to uncover these blind spots. If you start, posing these questions early enough what is the real value how does the value come into a chemical or the the stuff that you made out of these chemicals and how does this evolve during the the impact that you create through 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 these chemicals and plastics yep yep you know it's funny um one of our industrial design partners um in san francisco He's a leading industrial designer. He's got an amazing firm. I'm, you know, I'm sitting on one of the chairs that he's designed, uh, Herman Miller Sal chair, one of the most sustainable office chairs in the world right now. And um, and we had it. We we we've been friends for ten years. Every time I go to San Francisco, I catch up. Yeah, you know, it's my it's my industrial designer bent. I sort of yeah. need to, I, you know, sort of I needed to go and chat with an industrial designer at least while I'm in San Francisco. And uh, you yeah, great guy, Brett Record. Love the guy. And um, and you know we 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 riffed on this conversation many many moons ago, and um, and he had an epiphany, which was um, I think this is a reality for most industrial designers as well and engineers in the space is that um, every day what I do every day creates waste in the world. <laughs> like, it yeah, was yeah. so in your face, right? Yeah, Everything yeah, yeah. that I design and engineer is just wasted, <laughs> right? And 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 it's it's actually that point, Matt, that we need to basically get to our kids is that we need to really rethink that um, because that's how the world currently operates. So yeah, how yeah, would you yeah. reimagine that 
so that we don't, you know, continue taking from our earth. You know, one of the we're one of the best extractors in the world here in Australia, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, of raw materials, and we've just, just, you know, in terms of economic complexity, we've just killed our economy from my point yeah. of view, right? 250, 250 years ago, um, Bolivia was like Australia, very rich in resources. The Spanish came and conquered, took mm. all its resources, and now it's one of the most bankrupt countries in, in you know, in that part of the world, right? Mm. I foresee Australia could become that if we don't get our act together here right now, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm quite open to share those things, but um, uh, yeah, look, uh, I, they, look I, I put it to you guys. That, that's, yeah. you know, what are your blind spots, right? What are I, your blind spots? I, I've thought a little bit now. i thought a little bit. So, so uh, let me, I'll give you some of my, my thoughts on this and let me, let me have a, have a little bit of license to, to say, let's, let's, let's kind of define blind spots to, to also include like what, what, are, what are the kind of the challenges that, that are, yeah. that are kind of there in place, you know, and, 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 and a, a couple of things that come to, to mind, because also this connects with, uh, what what is clear from from your 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 uh, yeah your your mindset, which is it's about doing, not about talking. You know, uh, so so one of the key challenges in terms of implementing circularity or implementing more circularity in in, in the, uh, the the chemical industry uh, and slash the plastics part of that uh, is is the fact that, that to do this you have to really build new links in the value chain. Links have, that have not been there before uh, need to be built up. Links in the value chain to new members in the value chain that, that have really otherwise no uh, connections. They don't speak the same language. They don't um, uh, have the same practices in, in what they do. One example of this, one of the main examples is, is the linking of, of, of waste management. Uh, providers, which is extremely uh, stratified, I mean, fragmented industry. I, I hear that it's like uh, the, the the largest single waste provider in the world has 2% of, of the of the market, right? Mm-hmm. So very fragmented, uh, needs to connect with the petrochemical industry. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, these, these two sec, uh, segments, uh, uh, links in, in what needs to be part of the new circular value chain for 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 the chemical industry, certainly in plastics, uh, this linkage is is very challenging to make, but is absolutely necessary to make. So so whether that's a blind spot or uh, put it in terms of blind spot, it's like well, a, a chemist and and I'm not a chemist, I'm a chemical engineer, but uh, but I'll be called a chemist. You're meant to be more logical then. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the challenge the challenge uh, or the blind spot is 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 to not recognize. That that the, the need to make that linkage is 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 related to technology, business practices, uh, and and communication, language, how we speak to one another. The second thing I'll say, then I'll shut up, and that is <laughs> complexity. Uh, the solutions in the chemical industry very often are just frankly complex, and yep. and and people are afraid of complexity that because they complexity can be used as something that you hide behind right but 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 the solutions are are actually complex when you when you drill down just like plastics uh, are complex they have they're made from different chemistries and therefore when they get recycled you need different chemistries and technologies to recycle so how do you communicate that to someone that you know is sensitized to like you know the average song length now is 15 seconds from tiktok you know how do you how do you get that kind of 
complexity communicated. That's another challenge, and it's called a blind spot. How does the chemical industry communicate to the broader public what, what they're doing, which is bringing uh, circularity more and more in place? Uh, how do we do that? So, sorry, but that, I, I thought no, about no, it. No, I, no, I, um, I believe that um, without knowing you guys enough or the, or the fundamental roles, I think um, I look at it from a systems and jobs to be done every day, week and month and year, right? And look at it from a systems point of view, the software technologies or software and data sets and everything else that you play with and try and learn from uh, have all got constraints in functionality, in the processes, and because they're all systems of records, right? And they've been designed in a certain way with certain type of functionality. And so therefore, the way and, and certain type of interfaces so the systems that, that we use, irrespective of role, actually do create the blind spots, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and because of that, we get into these repeatable daily, weekly, monthly habits of executing things in certain blind spot, in certain ways, which just time goes on 10, 20 years later and <laughs> the world's moved on, right? So it's very much a it's very much a systems and um, um, executional point of view in terms of the interfaces that we have to deal with on a on a regular basis. Reporting is another whole discussion in itself, right? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, thanks. I think this was a, a great question that uh, that, that yeah, made thinking. And, and and as you've heard, <laughs> indeed, <laughs> John <laughs> John came up with some with some cool ideas, and uh, um, yeah, I think. Uh, what we what we learned today is that uh, circularity and uh, plastics do not end at uh, one certain industry branch or area. And uh, by combining these thoughts, and especially this is this is what we're also trying to do with our podcast is actually to communicate and 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 show this complexity and not hide behind it to to yeah, really yeah. help people yeah. to engage into these topics. And I think this is what you're doing as well with with your interdisciplinary approach coming from a slightly different area but we as as we've seen over the last hour like we can meet very nicely in between and, <laughs> and figure That's out right. new solutions yeah imagine if we were all oh. together having beers i mean you know yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> same time zone all right well yeah. my, well, I'm coming to Europe soon. Don't worry, I'll be there soon. Okay, so. perfect. Right. perfect. Okay. Good, good, good. Yeah, well, finally, um, we have a plastic climate future playlist on Spotify. And and, and that's something okay. that we always ask our guests uh, yeah. at the end of the discussion is to name two, two or three songs that we can place on this playlist that kind of connect to either your topic or your personality or or something that you want to okay i had a bit of fun with this guys so great, um, and, great. Uh, and, and i'm going to show my age here and also my who i am as a person so. <laughs> <Hear it. laughs> um, so the first one is actually eye of the tiger by survivor Oh wow, rock and roll! <laughs> okay, this okay. I used to listen to this song when I had hair as a teenager, you know, as in my twenties, right? <laughs> I took my girlfriend to Rocky Three. I remember it. <laughs> there you go. So I, but if you listen to the lyrics, it very much represents me as a person. You know, um, you know, nothing. Life is never linear, right? <laughs> to use a pun, you know, it's yeah. it's you know, I've looked back and I've got you know dots in my life that I've created in this sort of jagged, very not linear world that I've have lived in my journey and uh mm. it very much reflects who i am as a, as a person and a, and a, a true 
a true, uh, I wouldn't say I'm a tiger, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a Torian. <laughs> so uh, you're the tiger. So yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so the other, the other, the other song is actually um, a bit more of a modern one. It actually reflects the more my my sort of uh, my weekend nature, which is a, a band called Disclosure, mm-hmm. and with a song called Nocturnal. Nocturnal. Um, and I love it because I'm a I'm a I'm a very nocturnal kind of a guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you guys would like it. And then the last one is a podcast that I I love listening to on a very regular basis, Great. which is um uh, by a guy called Patrick O'Shanahesi, who uh, the podcast title is uh, Invest Like the Best, uh-huh. and uh, you know you've got like six or seven, eight hundred sort of podcasts in, you know, many years over, over time. And, you know, the reason why I do listen to him a lot, he's got some amazing sort of speakers, um, like, you know, the, I think it was like a few months ago, I had Spotify CEO and many others that really try and think, think outside the box in terms of um, think outside the box, look at new categories being formed and the design of those new categories and, and bringing new behaviors to market and, uh, and, and also bring in a, a, you know, how do investors sort of consider that? So, um, yeah, that's I, I, something that I wait to hear the every episode um, every week. So they're the three. Great, great, <laughs> really, really, really cool. Yeah, I'm looking oh. forward to this, especially this one, uh, uh, the one uh, nocturnal. I'm really going <laughs> to. <laughs> well, uh, in the night then. Sure. Yeah, no. Look, it's something that I can connect with. It's something that I can connect with my boys at least at their age. But they look at me and they say, "Seriously, Dad." <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Nick. Um, this was an amazingly fruitful journey, I think, Indeed. today, and uh, it what was great to to learn about all these also effective strategic approaches um, that we heard today, and I think they. They're certainly an inspiration uh, to to think about sustainable solutions also for, for all kinds of industries um, because they're very much covering a, a high-level approach that can be adjusted easily to, to specific problems. So in that sense, thanks for being with us today. <laughs> You're in yeah, tonight no. and our morning. <laughs> no, no, I'm yeah, always ahead and, of you guys. <laughs> and, and let us know when you'll be in Europe. Uh, we do another series. Yeah, yeah, we'll, look, yeah, we'll, we'll do be, version two. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That'd be great. I really mean it. We could do it over a beer or something, you know, or yeah. a glass of wine. <laughs>